Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this is the first... It's our second episode of Sunscreen, so this is the first one that you guys voted for. Uh, so we put up some polls and asked you guys to decide what we discuss this month. And it's, it's a fun way of doing things. I think we should do that, you know, more often. Yeah, I, I, it is a good way of doing things. Even if you've made us sit through this piece of shit. <laughs> oh now, I don't know. I've never seen Piñata. Piñata Survival Island. Yeah, I've yeah, never so this was, seen that. Yeah, so this was part of the island horror. Island horror. Um, <laughs> round, should we um, say. And, uh, yeah. You chose this. House of the Dead from House 2003. of the Dead. So I've not seen Piñata, so I don't know. But surely it can't be any worse than this. <laughs> Fucking hell. We should have done Scooby-Doo, shouldn't we? That was set on an island, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like this was trying to do Scooby-Doo. Oh, don't even. Um, yeah, so I watched this when it first came out. Um, 11-year-old me was baffled. Because I loved the game. I Every time I was in an arcade and the game was there, I would play it religiously. I loved it. It was one of my favourite games. Uh, it's available on consoles now. I've played it on there too. Um, it, it's just so much fun. It's such a fun game to play. Um, and, and it's great. It's, it's a, a great gateway game into horror as well. Um, yeah, I was... You know, it's readily available for you to play in arcades whatever your age is. Yeah, so. I remember the game in arcades and I must have played it lightly. Um, but what I truly remember playing was Typing of the Dead. Typing of the Dead? Typing of the Dead, which is House of the Dead... But instead of shooting with a light gun, you have to type the words that come up on screen. <laughs> so it's a way... It was a great game. But the it's fuck? a way of learning how to type quickly. And that's, you know, the uh, same sort of premise. But you're typing instead of shooting with a light gun. But I was familiar with um, light gun games. Um, Time Crisis. Yeah. I played a lot. Um, whilst watching this film, I forgot that it was based on... House of the Dead, the game. <laughs> yeah, I so genuinely I... forgot. I was like, is this, what video games? When you, when you saw Sega, I was like, what video game is this based on? Oh, it's got absolutely fuck all to do I, with the game. I, I, I remember just being confused watching this at 11 years old because, I mean, you know, I was only just getting into horror. This is a big year for horror. Um, you know, Freddy vs. Jason, uh, Wrong Turn 2, Underworld, you know, all these films that are now starting to get these cult followings and whatnot. Wrong Turn 2? Yeah, that was a big deal at the time. Was um, it? In what? Or was it Wrong Turn 1? No, it was the first film. Yeah, it was Wrong Turn. Okay. Yeah, I swear it was Wrong Turn, the first film. Because that, yeah, not Wrong Turn 2. That was shortly after. Um, but, oh God, what else was 2003? Fucking Jeepers Creepers 2, which we don't talk of now. How is that big <laughs> But it was. I mean, you know, Empire Magazine would have its big Freddy horror. Freddy vs. Jason was a big deal. Yeah. But that like, was a big Ghost deal. Ship, I think Ghost Ship was that year. Ghost Ship. Like, all these films now, you know, they're just throwaway laughable films. They were a big deal back then. Uh, this Final, was one Final of them. Destination 2. Final Destination 2, you know... It was it was a, a year for horror fans at that time. And now when you look back at it, these films are sort of they're getting these sort of cult followings. I'm not sure I agree with most of them. This one has not. 
No, they, I think, if I'm being honest, I think they get a nostalgia following. Yes. Um, yeah. It's a nostalgia thing because there's some shit that I watched when I was younger and I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing. And then you watch it now and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, the reason I remember that year so fondly is because that was the year, and I've, I've said it a few times on the podcast, that was the year that I really got into horror and really got into films. And yeah. I was like, you know, I actively want to watch films to take them seriously. Um, then I watched this. There was hype around it. It's like, oh my God, House of the Dead film. How can they go wrong? Yeah, I do remember them making a deal of this. And I was very much aware of the film. Um, And I I was a horror fan. But the backlash against this film. Yeah. And this is the first time I've watched it, just before recording the podcast. Um, The backlash against the film was one of the reasons why I never watched new horror films because they were always seemingly getting trashed yeah um so i would just get dvds and and watch the older ones yeah so it was around this time where i was watching last house on the left and you know um the friday the 13th sequels the nightmare on elm street sequels all that business um so i was aware of this and i'm aware like wrong turn i've never seen um, I never watched the Final Destination sequels until recently, um, apart from the odd one. Um, but I never went out of my way to watch them. Um, now I realise why. And yeah, the, the 2000s were <laughs> I'm a glad time. I didn't, because the, I might not have ever got into horror films if they, I'd seen House of the Dead. Yeah, they were a rough time for horror films in the 2000s. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, the, the king of release an absolute trash and and an all round by by all means from reading trivia the an all round piece of shit Yui Bowl directed this yeah director of german fried movie alone in the dark seed blood rain far cry in the name of the king postal and many more so alone in the dark and far cry are also video game adaptations yeah my question is how does he keep getting employed i don't know I really, really don't know Did how he's still film making films. Did make a good amount of money? It was made on a budget of $12 million and it made $13.8 million, so no. So no. It did not make I mean, money. it got a sequel. Yeah, for some reason. which is just as bad. Um, but these, his films seemingly don't make any money and they're really badly received. Yeah. How does he keep working? Is it so self-funded? It, it can't I, be self-funded because no. these are based on... Already established um, products. You yeah. Know? yeah. We'll get into the trivia. House of the Dead film um, had first been in development in 1998 at DreamWorks Pictures with Jesse Dillon directing and Mark Verheiden uh, writing a screenplay. The story would have been a loose adaptation in which a group of zombies are the most popular kids in college and a group of nerds must defeat them. Hmm? So that's, that's not even loose. That is nowhere near what no. House of the Dead is. No. House of the Dead is based on the old, um, like, Italian cannibal movie, really. Yeah. The first one's about a mad scientist, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but that's the thing. The plot's in place. Just do that. Yeah. Why go through all these different oh kind of ways of... And Blair Witch Project has... Like, in 1998, Blair Witch Project... Has just become a runaway success. Nine nine nine. Nine nine nine. Oh, okay. 
So that's the, the first one would have worked. But for this one, uh, 1999, you know, Blair Witch Project's become a runaway success. Why don't you just do a point of view thing? A found footage. A found footage. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, and uh, that's in keeping with the game, really, isn't it? Yeah. And they wanted to clearly have this creepy house in the woods thing anyway, like Blair Witch. I mean, it's in this film. Yeah. Referring to House of the Dead, Huey Bowles said, I think I made a perfect House of the Dead movie because it really shows how the game is. It's a lot of fun. It's over-the-top action. Uh, that is why this film is fucking hilarious. Yeah. That is why it is so funny to watch this film and why we cover films like this on the podcast. He genuinely thinks he made something special. Still to this day, he genuinely thinks he made something special here. <laughs> I cannot believe he thinks this is good. No. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he uh, also made headlines. And this is after, but I had to include this in trivia because this is a very bizarre series of events. Um, he also made headlines by challenging his critics to put up or shut up. In June 2006, three years after this film, his production company issued a press release stating that Bowl would challenge his five harshest critics each to a ten-round boxing match. Invitations were also open to film directors Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery. To qualify, critics had to have written two extremely negative reviews of Bowl in print or on the web. Oh, shit. Is he going to challenge us after... Uh, I, I will happily do this. Uh, you've heard it here first. No. I will happily box you. Did anyone take him up on the offer? Yeah, there's videos of it online. Is there? Yeah. Okay, no. What a piece of shit. Like, seriously. You're making terrible films. How can you not see this? Yeah. But but the thing is, just take the criticism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've put yourself out there... You know, you know these things exist, that people aren't always going to love your films. You've put something out there that clearly is not, you know, Citizen Kane or mm-hmm. Paddington 2. So you know that there's going to be some people who are critical yeah. of your, your work. There are some people out there that are not critical of his work. <laughs> We've read two reviews. I, I I won't be calling out names, but we've we've read reviews of people you, who think this is a good film. Which ultimately is fine. You know, you're entitled to your wrong opinion <laughs> and, and your bad taste. But at the end of the day, you know, you should be grown up enough to not want to fight everyone who criticizes I know, yeah. your film. Yeah. You shouldn't be making films if you're going to act that way. Yeah. Uh, he also um, a bit of uh, a, a bit of trivia that I read somewhere and some reason I forgot to write down. Do you remember oh. Harry Knowles who used to do Sky movie reviews? No. Do you not? No. He had his head appear in Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. No. I think it's Harry Knowles. I swear it is him and his other critic. Um, he referred to them as a as an ableist term, um, just because they uh, visited his film set and. Bash the film after. Ugh. Yeah. He, he's not a nice guy. No, he's not. He's, he's Which, not. again, makes me question why he still continues to get work. Yeah. Reviews... I suppose any publicity is good publicity. If he's throwing this shit out there, it gets his name in the papers, gets his name in articles, 
you know, and people are going to watch his films just to see how bad they are. But it just builds onto his reputation, though. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if he'd made a perfectly average film, Mm. we would have... We would be sat here discussing Piñata right now. Why do you think it's just called Piñata? It's called Piñata Survival Island. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. It's called Piñata. We would have been sat here discussing that now. But because he made such an awfully shite film... You know, if you're going to do it, you you make just the worst film ever. Maybe he's in on the joke. Maybe he's in on the joke. It looks like the quality's got consistently worse since this, so maybe. Because now Tommy Wiseau, I'm assuming, is in on the joke. Oh, he's got to be. So... You know, maybe we should come out and t- say it's a comedy. This is the same year as The Room. Make a whole, yeah, and then make a whole career out of uh, <laughs> this shit film. What was it with 2003 and people making films that they thought was genuinely something amazing and then it just turns out like this? <laughs> what won the Oscar that year? <laughs> um, reviews were so bad that Danish cinemas refused to buy it. The last film to use the turntable technique for 360 shots... The risk of actors being hurt or killed by the fast-moving camera was too high. Oh, God. Was that? Yeah. It's the same year as Bad Boys 2 that did the same sort of thing. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Jonathan Cherry burned 30% of his hand on the second day of shooting. The scene on the bridge where he hurts his hand was shot later to explain why the bandage was there. Oh, I see. Um, The film was set before the events of the House of the Dead video game. Spoiler alert. The big twist. 32 video clips from the original game appear in several parts of this movie. 26 appear during the 10 minute battle in front of the house. The remaining 6 are used as transitions prior to battle. Honestly to God, there are random shots of the game included throughout. Yeah, there is. For, for, for seemingly no reason. Whatsoever. No reason at all. No reason at all. And the problem is because... Uh, especially from a, a 2021 perspective, the graphics aren't great. You know, no. it's it's an old game. Um, so it just kind of looks really hokey and shit because yeah. it's just intricate. And there are points in the film where a, a character shoots a zombie and it cuts to a zombie being shot in the game. In the game. <laughs> it looks like they're playing the game. Yeah. Which just ages the film terribly. Yeah. Because the original game came out how many years? 1996. 1996. So that's seven years before, you know, the film was made. So graphics had changed a lot in that, you know, with computer games, graphics have gone a long way in a very short amount of uh-huh. time. So it ages it just by having that included. Yeah. Could you not include any of the sequels where the graphics were a little better? <laughs> You know, why the original game? Yeah. The director's cut of sorts was included in the film's DVD release, but it does not actually restore any excised footage. Excised is the word I was trying to say now. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, a joke segment is introduced before the movie plays where Yui Bowl, playing himself, is kidnapped and strapped to a chair, and his kidnappers force him to watch this film as a form of torture. Oh, okay. So he's... He must be in on the joke. Then. Yeah. He must be. Five kinds of zombies are shown in the movie. Uh, 
undead crew members of the San Cristobal, other centuries-old zombies, people that were killed between 40 and a few years ago, and finally the ravers that were killed uh, no more than 12 hours ago, which leads to many questions as to how zombies are made in this film. Oh, don't. I've no idea. What is wrong with just doing a simple, you know, follow the simple rules of zombies, someone bites you, you get back up, you shoot them in the head of death, that's it. Yeah. Why couldn't you... Yeah. Yeah. Screenwriter Dave Parker has said multiple times his version of the screenplay was trashed and completely rewritten and what you see on screen is not his screenplay. Of course, Dave Parker. Of course. Of course. Of course. Getting into the film, a group of college students travel to a mysterious island to attend the rave, which is soon taken over by bloodthirsty zombies. Now, this is Summer Screams, but... The weather in this summer film looks fucking awful. <laughs> it does, actually. It looks so dull. The, the sky's grey constantly. Yeah, it's not sunny. Um, but we'll get into because there's a few things in the film that show this isn't a summer film. <laughs> uh, so the soundtrack starts the film and it sounds like it was stolen straight from the 90s Mortal Kombat movies. It does, yes. Uh, and a guy called Rudy gives us a very serious narration about people being murdered on an island whilst he looks off into the distance and the camera just won't stay still. So we see him at the beginning. Did we establish that his name was Rudy? No. No, okay. No, not at all. So it's just on. this guy looking moody. Looking at... <laughs> so very much the beginning of uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. This is a guy with um, very 90s hair. Uh, looking out into the distance moodily. The guy who plays him as previous star of the podcast. Uh, the guy who played Rory in Final Destination 2, the stoner. Which is odd because he looks nothing like him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And it's the same year. Same year. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it to begin with. Um, the music sounds like a, a prodigy ripoff. Yeah, no, this is... yeah. So after we get this little intro scene, we get the opening credits, which has a prodigy ripoff song. Oh, yeah. Um... And then the footage from the game, but with a really terrible filter over it. Yeah. The way you can't even see that it's the game. I was confused, because it was like neon-looking like outlines of the game. I thought they might be going for a Predator yeah. look. Or um, I said, surely the game's a better quality than this. <laughs> um, seemingly not, by the rest of the no. film. Um, but yeah, I don't know what they're going for. Yeah, and the narration continues, uh, and <laughs> Rudy introduces us to our main characters. So we get two guys throwing rocks at bottles, and he's like, Greg, the guy he pl I played ball with in college. A great guy, if not a little goofy. And Simon, he's got the looks, but not much between those two ears. <laughs> so at this point, we're not introduced to Rudy. Like, he's just doing a voiceover. We're assuming this is the guy we saw at the beginning. Yeah. But we're not 100% sure. So he introduces these two manly men. They're throwing rocks at empty <laughs> bottles and smashing them. Um, neither of them are dressed for a summer beach party. No. Uh, they got, like, one of them's got a fucking leather jacket on, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, one of two characters that has a fucking leather jacket on. Um... And one of them got sunglasses, like really shit sunglasses. Really on. bad sunglasses. They look like they're mounted into his head because yeah. they're so close to his face. So unflattering, like goggles. <laughs> they're like goggles, aren't they? Yeah. But like sunglasses. Um, very confusing. Um, then the girls join, don't they? Yes. The ladies. Yeah, it's Cynthia, 
Greg's girlfriend, pure eye candy. Karma, she thinks she's Foxy Brown and has a crush on Simon, but he only has eyes for Alicia. My ex, who I dumped, uh, who dumped me so she could go fencing. Gossip Girl XOXO. <laughs> but that's what it's like! It is. It, it, it's narration, it's just like, he's spilling all the tea. And then he's like, Karma likes Simon, but Simon likes Alicia. Yeah. So, okay, so Cynthia is the biggest airhead stereotype you could get. Yeah. Uh, like, constantly. Yeah. Um, and as you said, pure eye candy. That's pretty much the only reason she's in the film, which is awful. Um, Karma. Um, Karma, when he <laughs> says, now think she's no, boxy we brown. finish the film. <laughs> we finish the film now. So he's... He's narrating, isn't he? Yeah. From um, the perspective of, perspective of the of end of the film. At the end of the film. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I mean, it doesn't mean much. Spoiler alert. He makes it to the end. Yeah. yeah. Hence, he's given this. N- yeah. Um, narration. Narration. Past tense narration. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> so these poor people have died. He knows he's died. He's going to tell us that they've died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. He's kind of rude, really, really <laughs> rude about them. Yeah. And this is the problem, is that because someone like Cynthia gets very little time in the film, very little character development, with we, they're forced to do this fucking shitty narration, so pure eye candy. Well, that's what we're looking out for now. And she didn't do much in the film, <laughs> does she? No. Oh, she's dang dumb. Oh, she's just a dumb blonde. But for him to say Karma thinks she's Foxy Brown. <laughs> okay, number one, she is. She kicks ass. <laughs> she at does. Some moments, at some moments in the film, she kicks ass. And number two, she actually sacrifices herself to save your yeah. life, you condescending prick. <laughs> so fucking rude. But yeah. So yeah, we've got... Um, and, and then, yeah, and, and Alicia, I mean, her backstory is bizarre she dumped him so she could go fencing yeah go fencing oh, and he actually says well, fencing yeah well like could she not oh, go fencing no 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 you know how the film doesn't develop characters enough yeah we're meant to remember his throwaway line about her dumping him to go fencing mm-hmm. is why she's inexplicably good of a sword good of a sword <laughs> at the end of the film oh my god why is it taking us this long to realise <clears throat> yeah. that fencing? Of course. Yeah. She's a fucking swashbuckler at the end of the fucking But then he was film. like, I don't... Yeah, but this is him after the film finishes, supposedly talking. Yeah. He's like, I don't know how that benefits her. I thought it was a waste of time. Yeah. Well, bitch, she life, did a fucking, fucking good prick. job saving your life. Saves your fucking life. I've got written here. I was like, well, that's all great. But who the fuck is the narrator? <laughs> I also compared it to the Spice Girls song, <laughs> Wannabe. <laughs> Um, because he's going to, like, you got Cynthia, she's pure eye candy, <laughs> Karma, she thinks she's foxy, and as for me, ha, you'll see. <laughs> well, now you can say thanks to me, I'm Rudy. Yeah, as for me, <laughs> ha, I'm Rudy. <laughs> Dickhead. It's more like the Can't Stop the Music, um, video with all those kids. Oh, hi, my name's Katrina. <laughs> hi, my name is Greg, my name is Simon, I'm Cynthia, I'm Karma, and I'm Alicia to you. <laughs> Hi, we're not going to develop these characters enough, so we're going to give you minor facts about them that are going to help you understand their actions later on in the film. 
Um, they booked a boat trip to attend a rave called Gavarin. Very inventive. Uh, on an island uh, located off the coast of Seattle named Isla da Morte, which is uh, Spanish for Island of Death. Yeah. Oh, well, was that established at the beginning then? Um, well, no, no. Oh. It's just I'm just gi- giving you the setup. Oh, okay. I thought that was established at the beginning. It uh, is. It's established shortly. Clint Howard. Clint Howard. Yeah. Yeah. So they've missed the boat to the rave. <laughs> it's. I'm confused. So it's the boat is meant to leave at five. Yeah. Mhm. So the lads are there, throwing stones at bottles, assuming that they've been there a while. The girls turn up. They go to where the boat should be and they establish it's 5.15. Yeah. The girls have turned up late and they've made them late. No one seems pissed off about this with the girls, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did Simon and Greg not witness <laughs> everyone getting on the boat and the boat leaving only 15 minutes prior? How long were they actually throwing the rocks at the bottles for? And why is this the only time anyone has actually checked their watch to establish <laughs> what time it is? The sense of time in this film is weird. It's I, I, so <laughs> weird. It's so weird. It's fucking I, I don't think Yui Bowl owns a watch or a clock. I also don't think he's ever saw rain before <laughs> and how yeah. rain works. Um, Randy tells us they missed the boat <laughs> to the rave. If only they'd decided to stay in Seattle they'd still be alive today. Oh, what a fucking spoiler alert! Like, okay, right, okay, we'll just turn the fucking film off then everyone dies. Yeah. Well, don't get invested in these people, they're all going to die anyway. Exactly. Uh, the Gathering Rave is in full swing. There's a Sega banner Sega. on the stage. So Sega produced the film, didn't they? Yes. Now, Sega were... By 2003, Sega were fucking struggling. <laughs> Dreamcast, which was their final console, came out in 1999 mm-hmm. and hadn't done very well at all. Um, so Sega were fucking struggling and this may have been the nail in the fucking coffin for them. <laughs> I don't know how much money they put towards this film. They can't put that much money towards it because you literally have one Sega in the background yeah. behind the DJ and that's it. Yeah, um... There's not much... Pro- well, I suppose product placement for the original game. I suppose so. I mean, you are forced to watch it every now and then. Yeah, but it's, it doesn't make you want to go watch <laughs> play the game. Um, we get people bouncing on the spot. Um, no one is acting like they're at a rave. No. Um, a creepy guy uh, called Hugh is filming a girl's tits with a camcorder. I don't know what he's planning to do with his footage because he's just looking in his camera, got it pointed down while she's talking. Like, are you really going to have a wank to someone's cleavage? Yeah. Um, when there's, like, a, a topless dancer not too far away from them. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, focusing on this cleavage. It's it's uncomfortable to know the sort of guy Yui Bowl is. You know, that the Nudatina's film is certainly not going with it, done with any sort of good intentions at all. <laughs> This is, uh, this whole scene of the Sega dance party is what I assume foreign filmmakers, non-American filmmakers, assume America is like from the films that they've watched previous. Of course there's a topless woman on stage. You know, of course this greasy guy is going to be filming this woman's cleavage. (laughs) This is the first of two films 
uh, by non-American filmmakers that were discussing this month on the podcast, featuring a rave or some sort of party on the beach where women just get the tits out all yeah. the time. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and as, as you said, they're very much taken out from what they've already seen from America. Yes. Um, American <laughs> slasher film history. I mean, we've never been to America. Maybe this is what it lo- is. What it's maybe, like. maybe you know. Uh, we also get stereotypical rave music, and we're introduced to Rudy, the uh, narrator. Yeah. Kind I... of. Yeah. Like he's just there. Yeah. So it's not established that he is the Rudy we're talking about. <laughs> he is our second character wearing a leather jacket, uh, supposedly at a summer dance rave party. Um, he's interviewing the woman uh, who we established later was called Liberty, um, isn't it? Yeah. And she is in a, um, American flag. Dress. It's not a dress, is it? What would you call it? No, it's got... One piece. One piece. Is that what you call it? Um, catsuit. She's, cat, wearing a, she's wearing it. She's wearing. She's wearing an American flag. Yeah, basically. Yeah, but it's a cat suit, but with um, a very deep cleavage cat suit. Um, her role. She's like a dancer for the DJ. Yeah, so she's she's a dancer for the DJ, and then the other woman is a topless dancer. Yeah, for the so. Uh, she actually comes back later in the film and does a lot more. So clearly, the actress had a no nudity clause. <laughs> But a, everyone didn't. A boat captain named Victor Kirk and his first mate, Salish. Um, they're, they're, they're introduced. Salish is played by cult icon, I want to say. I Colin Howard. icon. He's been in some fucking shit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that classic question. If, if you're in a lot of court films and trash films, just because you're willing to accept any role, does it make you an icon? I kind of feel like Clint Howard is. Because yeah. I don't think he's ever put in a good performance. He's always absolutely fucking ridiculous in everything he's in. And it's just, it's just a strange guy. It's just really... There's the, like, the, apparently there's a festival in America dedicated to just Clint Howard films. Clint Howard films. He, yeah, he's one of these that has just been in a lot of films. Just a hell of a lot of them. And um, what have we seen, Clint Rock Howard? and Roll High School. Yeah, oh, God, of course. Um, Ice Cream Man, which we turned off because yeah, it's fucking dire. Yeah, awful. He was in Solo or Star Wars. He was. <laughs> oh, yeah, because his brother directed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The Halloween remake, Santa with Muscles. Oh God, sad times when Santa with Muscles isn't your worst film. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he's got the Linda Blair again. Oh thing. no, no, that's harsh. Well, that's Linda harsh. Blair's a cool icon because she's just been in loads of yeah. low budget films. But at least she puts in good performances. I don't think Clint. Well, Clint Howard does try, but he tries too hard maybe and then you get performances like this where he is hamming it up to the fucking extreme okay, with a hook on back. his hand Linda Blair Linda Blair's been in some crap though hasn't she but yeah she's always kind of been the best thing about everything if anything he's in. probably closer to Lance Henriksen oh okay yes that's true I mean Lance Henriksen's like the premium Clint Howard where he puts in a half decent performance and he's been in some big films yeah. Clint Howard's just floating around in everything he could get his hands on and bless him and he kind of plays the same character he, he always plays the same character um his performance in this is bizarre yeah he's wearing a yellow fisherman outfit from I know what you did last <laughs> summer 
Um, and a hook on his hand. And a hook on his hand. He does have a hook what? on his hand. Why does he have know. a hook on his hand? He's just holding a hook, isn't he? And he's like, I'm fisherman, I am. Oh, he's, he's very rude as well. He's like, what part of shove-off do you not understand? Like, Simon and, and Kirk, the uh, the captain, they're having this conversation. He's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like repeating every single thing they say, but in a yeah. more annoying voice and constantly moving around. He won't stay still. But, like, oh yeah, do you know Spanish? Oh, the island of death. <laughs> However erratic and hammy he is, ultimately he's kind of got a point. <laughs> and they probably should have listened to him. Because yeah. everyone who, apart from Alicia, sorry, spoiler alert, everyone who he's talking to at this point ends up dead. Yeah. Because of the decision they're making at this point. Well, technically Alicia does end up dead. What do you mean? She's alive at the end. Yeah, because he gives her the Im- Im- immortality serum. So she dies, he brings her back to life. That's not established. No, but it's implied. Oh, God. That's what he meant by his narration at the end. Oh. I oh, spoiler alert, guys. Please continue to listen to the episode. But she walks <laughs> out with him. Yeah, because he gave her the serum, the zombie serum. Oh. She's back in the sequel. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. Oh, I didn't. I didn't get yeah. that. Oh, she. Oh, okay. We'll get to that when we get. Oh fuck! Captain... This film is fucking awful. Can I give it minus <laughs> stars? Captain oh. Kirk agrees to take them to the island on his boat after Simon offers him a grand. Oh, Captain Kirk! Yeah, Greg <laughs> makes a Captain Kirk joke, and Victor stabs the edge of the boat and warns him not to make Captain Kirk jokes. And he doesn't, admittedly, yeah. for the rest of the uh, film. The Coast Guards want to do an inspection on his boat, but he just leaves anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Simon gives him even more money to just go mm-hmm. before the narcs get to them. Um, to which Kirk says. Uh, I would have done that for free to make the, <laughs> the the female narc who is later established called Casper. Yeah. Um, I would have done that for free to make her uh, eat some humble pie. She's had a hard on for me since I left the force. <laughs> so let's. That's um, how we view women. In the this writing film now. in this film is bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Like some of the dialogue we've got coming up is unbelievable. Uh, back at the rave, two ravers, uh, one we know is called Matt, um, they both look... <laughs> the woman doesn't She get doesn't get a name. She gets a tits up, she doesn't get a name. Um, they both look and they're dressed like the embodiment of 2003. Oh, no. He's got flames on his shirt, Absolutely. he's got street blonde hair, she's got a pink tracksuit on. I'm surprised he didn't get out of fucking... CD player and start playing an Offspring song. <laughs> they head to a beach to go swimming and strip off. Um, apart from him, he gets his jeans off and uh, he decides not to go swimming because it's too cold. Yeah, so she enters the water in just a thong. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. If you're going skinny dipping, why don't you go in skinny dipping? But yeah. anyway. Um, but the water's too cold for him, as he says, as he's looking down at his crotch. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't go in the water. Because he's scared of shrinkage. <laughs> because it's too cold. In this film that we're discussing because it's a summer movie. <laughs> and this is the only real beach scene yeah. that we get. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that happens. She's frolicking in the water. Well, that's a little later on. First, we get oh, Greg. What do we, get now? we get Greg being seasick. Oh, okay. And he yeah. throws up over Cynthia after Simon offers him a beer. Then that'd uh, be important. This isn't you know? important. This will be important. But then oh, we're back apologies. to the beach because this film, because Yuri Bold doesn't know how to make a fucking film, and he can't keep one scene going for too long. Matt watches his girlfriend swim, and he's like, "Oh yeah." He's acting like he's getting off on her swimming, right? Camera cuts away for one second, goes back, he's fast asleep. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is fast asleep with on the his... beach a second after acting like he was getting off on watching her swim. Still with his jeans down by his ankle. Yeah. As well. Um, she, it, she goes back. Grabbed she? By something, well, she, she goes, yeah, she goes back to the beach. Um, Matt's disappeared. All that's left behind is his shoes and his beer. Then we go back to the boat. <laughs> Finish this fucking scene. These are two throwaway characters that have been killed. Just finish the fucking scene. Why yeah. are we going back to the boat? The problem is the, the, the bad editing. It, it, there was nothing to... It's so weird because she leaves the water, doesn't she? Yeah. And she's like, Matt, Matt. And we're like, well, he's right there. Because there's nothing to indicate that he wouldn't be there to yeah. the audience. Like, That's maybe his corpse. Part. It shows someone walking towards him, so maybe his corpse. Just, Did it? Did I miss that? Yeah, the camera the camera walks towards him, implying that it's someone walking uh, towards see, him. See, the, prob- <laughs> the problem with this is, obviously, I'm trying to make notes on this film that goes a thousand miles an hour <laughs> at certain points, and it's so, like, quickly edited yeah. that, of course, I'm going to miss that. So now I'm like, oh, fucking hell. You know, this just makes no sense. Um, but now it does. Back to the boat. Cynthia's boiling her top in the sink. She is. She's boiling her top in the sink. And Clint Howard approaches her. And she's like, she turns around. No top on, of course. Because no woman in you this know. film wears a bra. Just um, so you know. Yeah, she turns around. Boobs out. And she's like, fine. Take a look, pervert. <laughs> and he's like, ah, you gotta take this cross out. It's for protection on the island. And she's like, it's okay. And I, I shit you not. It's okay. I don't need protection. I'm on the pill. <laughs> Shouldn't actually sound like Jennifer Tilly. That's a bit no, no. It's, it's okay. Tilly. I don't need protection. I'm on the pill. But yeah, this is actual line of dialogue from this shitty film. It is. If this film was a comedy, it still would have been shit. But they could have done a bit more with it. Yeah. You know, but it's... just I don't know. Like, no person let alone no woman on this planet is stupid enough to be handed a cross and think that it's protection for sex yeah. jesus christ and no pun intended no. um and then she takes the cross and it's like whatever jangles jangle the fuck is jangles I no idea and unfortunately um there were no subtitles on yeah this film um, so a lot of the dialogue we had to keep going back and we're like what did he say yeah. what did she say um, so I'm hoping we got it all right Jangles makes no sense but the film makes no sense so she probably did say Jangles back to Matt's girlfriend on the beach she yeah so the girl with him. no name um, <laughs> she tries to find her bow in the woods um, I, I decided to use the word bow because I was a bit bored by this point so I was just trying to think of funny names for people um she finds a graveyard and what i perceived initially to be an abandoned church um but it's not it's just a just house. derelict house just a derelict house um she finds a fella in the <laughs> house 
and a bunch of zombies. So she goes into the house perfectly yeah. fine, opens the door, goes in, there's Matt. He's got a... <laughs> a hand, hand burst shoved... out of his chest. Yeah. Hand shoved, hand shoved through him. I almost said up him. Hand shoved <laughs> through him um, in a, you know, technical wizardry. <laughs> it looks really shit, doesn't it? It, it looks does. like some crappy, shitty seaside. So, oh, look at his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and she's seemingly killed off screen. Yeah, a bunch of zombies screen. grab her. And, grab then her and then we get a quick flash of the game. Yeah, we do. Brief, inexplicable cut to the video game. Yeah, some guy tries going down on his girlfriend and they're attacked by zombies. That is pointless. Yeah, I put a couple in the woods who look a bit too old for all of this, <laughs> starting to get it on and they hear a weird noise, which I'm assuming is their her scream. And then they're seemingly attacked off screen by these yeah. zombies. Uh, Simon is impressed by how intelligent Alicia is because she tells him he's no cartographer. Yeah. Uh, wow, she's so intelligent. Yeah, but just before that, we get a voiceover of the police. Um, they're following... The, so seeming, So we're established that the police are following Captain Cook's yeah. boat. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Because we have some, uh, like, megaphone, like, Captain Kirk, where are you? Stop, stop now. Blah, de, blah, de, blah. And then Captain Kirk and that they arrive at the island. Mm-hmm. So Simon can't read a map. Uh, seemingly Alicia can, though, because she takes the map off him. Yeah. And, <laughs> and says, oh, you're no cartographer. Uh, apparently Alicia is. If that's what needs to be done um, to read the map properly. Um, and she's, yeah, beauty and brains. Yeah. Beauty and intelligence in one combined. Mm-hmm. Serving body, and she, to the fifth. Yes. Power to the cosine. <laughs> sure a handful of our listeners will get that. <laughs> or a gay podcast, you should probably all get that, really. Um, Greg, Simon, Cynthia, Karma and Alicia arrive at the island only to find the rave site messed up and deserted. Now, when they get there, it's obviously still daylight, um, and they walk for... Well, it's apparently hours, because when they get to the rave site, it's night time. I have put, maybe Alicia isn't a cartographer either. <laughs> because, seeming, like, they weren't that, so they were 15 minutes behind the boat. Add probably another five minutes for all the chatter with Captain Kirk, yeah? yeah? So 20 minutes. So, in that 20 minutes, <laughs> it's gone from light to dark. <laughs> Like, I don't get it. Everyone's been killed in those 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Was there more than one boat that went to this island? Or was it just the one boat? So many questions. <laughs> Cynthia says, We had the whole place to ourselves to dance the night away. And I intend to put it to good use. Yeah, Alicia seems to be the only one who thinks there's something weird about the fact that no one is there. Yeah, and this is when Karma's allowed to speak for the first time, and they both mock her for being boring, don't they? She's, yes. Um, how, many, how long into the film? This is like 20 minutes into the 20 film. 20 minutes into the film, Karma is allowed to talk. And uh, she's um, played by an African-American actress, um, which at the time, I mean, in 2003, let's be honest here... African-American women weren't really seen in 
horror films like this. And if they were, they didn't last very long. Mm. Now, last week we were discussing I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, where Brandy makes it to the end. Yeah. Um, in a film like this, you don't expect Karma really to make it very far. Mm-hmm. But she she makes it far enough. Yeah, she know? thinks she's Foxy Brown. Of course she, she thinks is. she's Foxy Brown. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, God, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, for some reason, we, we could see Clint Howard messing around with some fish on the boat, <laughs> yes. um, moving things around, but it's pissing it down a rain. Yeah. Like, I mean, heavy storms, really, really raining. Mm-hmm. Then it switches back to the rave site and there's not a spot of rain in sight. No. Does, does Yui Bowl know how weather works? Like, literally, they are right next to each other. Yeah. And the rain, that's the only rain we get in the film, yeah. isn't it? That's the only rain. It's discussed. The rain is discussed at points in the film after this. Not, not you know, a couple of times. But this is the only time we see any actual rain. Yeah. And it's not... Explained. No. <laughs> um, I'm assuming it's budgetary reasons. Yeah. And they couldn't afford to have the rain machine or but hose then, or whatever going for too long. Why do they need the scene? Then why why have that in there? Because Clint Howard is literally just moving boxes and yeah. fish and such. Alicia, Karma <laughs> and Simon leave the site to go find anybody around while Cynthia and Greg stay behind. And Greg says, me and Cynthia are going to groove to some groovy tunes all night. Isn't that right, baby doll? Yeah, um, no music's playing, and no music is played. No, it means sex. Yeah, I'm well aware of that, but, um, you know, you think they would have put maybe some music on for a little slow dance or something to get the, the this scene going. No, because their fucking sex life is obnoxious. <laughs> like, I, I, what a fucking nightmare. I mean, first of all, we get Clint Howard goes back onto the island and something happens off screen. Why he's going back onto the island, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. Well, he's looking for Kirk, isn't he? So Clint Howard is on the dry, in the dry woods, so it's not raining for some reason, and uh, he's seemingly attacked off-screen, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg and Cynthia are being obnoxious. Well, yeah, so this exact line of dialogue, ex- this, this dialogue exchange happens, and uh, Greg says, I think I could feel some rain coming. It might rain. Let's go somewhere we won't get wet. And Cynthia says, too late. This poor actress, she has to take a top off to boil her top, and she has to say this these fucking lines of dialogue. Yeah. In a non-porn film, they go into She's a probably tent. Probably been paid better in a porn film. They they go into a tent and start making out, and uh, it is genuinely obnoxious. Like Greg's breathing is unbelievable. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Are you trying to seduce her? <laughs> Like, is this seriously you trying to be seductive? Yeah, I, I was initially horrified at the unattended candles, but then I realised <laughs> there probably will be unattended candles because people have been eaten by zombies. So I let them off. But what about the unattended candles in the abandoned house? Um, well, that is... We'll get on to that because I'm confused by that house. Yeah. Very confused. So, um, yeah... They're doing this really weird 
sex scene thing, whatever the fuck they're trying to do. Yeah, so they're trying to get it on in this tent. Um, Greg then needs to pee, which for some reason Cynthia mistakes for premature ejaculation. (laughs) Um, She's like, oh, no need to be embarrassed. It happens to every guy at some point. (laughs) I'm like, okay. It's, It's very stupid, immature... Because it doesn't make any sense. It's no. not in keeping with anything. Um, another so, flash of the game. We have another flash of the game. Are you going to point out all the <laughs> yeah. flashes of the game? Okay. I haven't written down all the flashes of the game because obviously it happens too often. Um, Simon puts on an English accent to suggest a threesome with Karma and Alicia. Uh, Alicia suggests he goes and plays with himself. <laughs> And then asks Karma about Simon's stupid accent. Well, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> you know, is that not wrong with an English accent? I don't know why... His he'd... one was fucking stupid. Yeah, it was a little bit. Why you would put on an English accent to ask for a threesome. <laughs> but <laughs> this is the confusing part, because Randy's told us that Simon has a thing for Alicia, Karma has a thing for Simon, but Simon's suggesting a threesome between the three of them. Yeah. Which is just really going to complicate that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it, this narration just didn't need to happen because at the end of the day, they end up together. Like, spoiler alert, Simon and Karma end up yeah. together. But then that just makes it look like he's desperate because he knows he can't get Alicia. It's seemingly. It's really weird. But uh, it's, again, it's another case of this bit at the beginning that's establishing these characters that is just throwing information yeah. out there to try and piece together some characterization. Yeah. I'd rather they just didn't have any and they were just like throw away. Yeah. <laughs> because it just becomes fucking confusing. Uh, alone in a tent, Cynthia is killed off screen by a group of zombies, supposedly. Meanwhile, Alicia, Karma and Simon find the derelict house and as they attempt to investigate the place, uh, Karma says, Didn't you ever watch Scooby-Doo? This is not a good idea. (laughs) But yes, common sense. Uh, They discover Alicia's ex-boyfriend, Rudy, the narrator. So just before this, sorry to interrupt, um, another confusing part is after the threesome suggestion, we cut to Captain Kirk on the boat, Mm -hmm. shouting for Clint Howard. Yeah. And then he grabs a gun. So if Captain Kirk has been on the boat this whole time, why the fuck did Clint Howard go onto the island exactly. into the woods it, to fucking yeah. find him? His two scenes... What the fuck? His two scenes, the only scenes with Rain, made no sense. Made no sense whatsoever. They just that didn't need to be there. editing. So fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, so they, they investigate the house and... Also, where are the narcs? Where's the... Um, they take ages to get there. They take so they long were right to behind get them. there. And they were right behind them. So yeah, they discover... Um, they find Rudy, Liberty and you in the uh, abandoned house. You shows them footage of the zombie attack on his camcorder and compares it to a Romero movie. And Karma's like, what's a Romero movie? <laughs> Uh, Way to make your only African-American representation sound fucking dumb. I know. But Alicia doesn't believe the story of the zombie attack. So they show the footage of the zombies chasing, but not actually attacking anyone. Uh-huh. Because clearly it wasn't in the budget to no. have a full-on zombie attack just for this moment. Yeah. They, they decide to go to the boat 
to get off the island. Video game flash. A video game. Sorry. <laughs> they decided to go to the boat to get off the island because obviously that's what anyone would do. But they want to find Cynthia and Greg first. They're walking through the woods and um, there's an exchange of dialogue that I have a big issue with. Um, so Alicia says, so you came with the gir that girl? Rudy says, what? And it, in fairness, she did mumble. I was a yeah. bit like, what did no, she say? The audio mix the audio in this is scene terrible is so scene. bad. We had to go backwards and forwards to try and figure out what the hell they were saying. I ended up having to take this off IMDB because somebody had done it for us. Um, Alicia says, let me give you a hint. I don't think she's your natural red, white and blue. Which um, is massively racist. It comes across really racist because Liberty is played by a, uh, I believe, um, part Cantonese mm. actress uh, of, of um, East Asian sort of um, heritage. So that just comes across really offensive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that's meant to mean. Uh, Rudy then says, I met her at the rave. Who's the guy with the Tom Cruise smile and the Rain Man brain? Um, so I think it's a bit harsh because he's only just met this guy, which is kind of, I don't understand because if he dated Alicia, he went to college, played college yeah. basketball or whatever mm -hmm. with Greg. Surely he should know who Simon is. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he's, Says um, that about Simon. But also, I mean, that's ableism. Again. Well, it is, yeah. From I mean, and then taking into consideration Yui Bowles' comments about Harry Knowles, that exactly. makes a lot of sense now. Because Rain Man, in the context of what Rain Man is, it's a film that's well known for perpetuating stereotypes about autistic people and a perceived grand intelligence that autistic people are seen to have yeah. in, in media, you know. A lot's been written about it. Um, a lot of, you know, people take issue with the film Rayman. If it's meant as an insult, then that's ableism. Yeah. That's so, like, shitty thing to it say. It really is, yeah. Um, it also doesn't work in the context of apparently Simon being stupid. Mm. You know, it was established that Simon's very good looking, but stupid, which makes the Rain Man thing not work either. So it's just yeah. shitty, stupid dialogue. Um, Alicia informs him that uh, Simon is actually the biggest underwear model in America. Yeah, and where was that fact at the beginning of the film? Yeah, That's an interesting fact. She clearly Simon. made it up. And cause then she, she walked back to him and then pretended she was all cosy with him when really trying she couldn't make, fucking stand him. Trying to make Rudy jealous. Video game flash. Alicia, Rudy, Karma, Simon, Liberty and Hugh return to the rave site and find Greg in a portaloo with shit all over him because it was pushed over. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Yeah. So he's covered in shit for the rest of the film. Yeah. A zombified Cynthia comes out from behind a tree and kills Hugh by snapping his neck, but is killed when Casper, the Coast Guard officer who was tracking Kirk, arrives and shoots her. So she shoots her straight in the head, she doesn't hesitate. And well, she then... shoots her in the chest and she flies back. Yeah. 
And then she's still alive, so Casper shoots her straight into the forehead. Yeah. So what we're establishing with the Cynthia character is this is Romero's zombie territory. Yeah. But walking fast. So probably like 28 days later. Yeah. Fast Romero zombies. Okay. So what I don't understand is why... So Cynthia was seemingly made into a zombie off screen. Mm Mm-hmm. But she was surrounded by zombies, so surely they would have just eaten her. Yeah. Generally, in these films, it's when people are bitten but get away when they become zombies. Because zombies essentially just want to eat people. Yeah. So it's and not she... really established the lore of what these zombies are in this film. Yeah. And another character is bitten as well later on. And it takes ages for him to become a zombie. We don't even get to see him become a zombie. But he ends up killing himself. Well, yeah, but it takes ages. It's so long. But you know, this is quite quick after we last saw Cynthia. Yeah. Um, But straight after shooting her, Casper says, "What the hell was that thing? Well, shouldn't you check that out before you fucking shot her in the head?" (laughs) I suppose you just witnessed her kill Hugh, though. And then Karma says, "Our best friend. Did you see her face? It was horrible." It wasn't really that bad, no. because obviously they couldn't afford the makeup, so it was just her face looking a bit pale, with, like, blood on her face. They form a plan to return to Kirk's boat and leave the island. Zombies swim to Kirk's boat, and he shoots them all, um, with no no issue. Just casually shoots everyone. Um, zombies, as uh, one zombie with really bad patched-up makeup watches everyone walk through the woods... And when they arrive um, to the beach, they, f- they see the zombies on Kirk's boat. And someone says, oh my God, that's not Kirk. <laughs> yeah. So Simon has swam out to the boat. He's trying to get to the boat swimming. Um, and he meets a load of zombies when he's there. So he has to like outswim the zombies <laughs> as Casper is trying to shoot them. And she's a good shot. She's a very good shot, isn't she? No, everyone is in this film. Everyone is in this film, yeah. But she, like, she's really fucking far away. Yeah. It's dark. The zombies are swimming, and she manages to get a lot of headshots. Yeah, all to uh, the sound of techno music. Yeah. Liberty um, goes um, Slay Queen on us. <laughs> uh, she grabs a knife and just jumps into the water to save Simon. She's there trying to... Uh, kill the zombies um she's unfortunately dragged under the water and kirk saves her with a shot to the head well after uh, rudy says to him shoot it and and kirk says that's what i'm trying to do you fucking moron <laughs> he says it under his it is one of those things and it's um probably the best part of the film actually because it is quite funny, in so many films, someone's shooting, they're like, shoot him, shoot him, and they're like, yeah, that's what he's trying to do, like, <laughs> you shouting at him isn't going to help him be more accurate. Karma finally lives out her Foxy Brown fantasy. Um, she tries to kick a zombie, misses, and then hits it on the way down with a leg and kicks it over anyway. So she's trying to do... Um... I believe in wrestling you'd call it an axe kick. But it comes across really awkward. Like she just <laughs> missed and just like ended up like smacking it in the back on the way back down. 
It doesn't look deliberate. <laughs> Simon starts hurling abuse at a zombie who spits acid in his face. Yeah, I don't know what what this is about. Yes, yeah, this doesn't happen again. No, this doesn't happen again. And it, it doesn't... What I thought was, like, the zombie had, like, drowned. Yeah. And it was water. But it, like, burns his face. Like, half of his face... Like, his cheek has um, a, this, like, bubbling or something yeah. in it. Like, it's acid. Uh, Kirk's bitten. <laughs> now, this is what I was on about. Kirk's been bitten. He's absolutely fine right now. Yeah. And for a long time. He was bit on the shoulder, wasn't he? Yeah. So... We get another fantastic exchange of dialogue where Alicia says, what are these things? <laughs> Liberty says, there must be some sort of scientific explanation. <laughs> to which Alicia says, they're zombies, pure and simple. Why the fuck are you asking them, bitch? If you already know what they are... But she's the same person who didn't believe there were zombies. Yeah, she didn't believe there were zombies. And she completely dismissed what Liberty said. I think... Alicia's racist. Oh, she's definitely racist. She's definitely yeah. racist. And her and the uh, ableist Rudy are the two that make it to the end. Exactly. It's like, seriously, why ask then? Why are you asking what these are? If you're going to tell everyone that you know they're zombies now? Well, Kirk's got it all sorted anyway because he has the Book of House of the Dead ready. He has all the backstory we need. And he reveals to us the island's history complete with flashback footage and a sepia filter. So, he says, Isla de Morte was home to a Spanish Catholic priest named Castillo Simano, who was banished from Spain in the 15th century for his dark experiments, which the Catholic Church forbade. Castillo murdered the crew of St. Cristobal, the ship that was uh, taken into the island, enslaved the island's natives and murdered anyone who was visiting the place. When he then created the immortality serum, when he which he ejected, which he injected himself with, allowing him to live forever and return dead souls to life and support his cause. So essentially, they're blaming it on a Spanish dude. Yeah. Okay. So also blaming the foreigners. He's creating zombies to support his cause. These, these zombies aren't supporting anyone's cause. They're just running around doing flips and fighting people. Yeah. It's really strange what these zombies actually are. Because yeah. if they're helping his cause, surely he's a zombie? Yeah. Is he not a he zombie? He is a zombie, yeah. Yeah. But also, um, sepia filter, uh, <laughs> history from, you know, a very long time ago. This is clearly trying to be the beyond. It looks very Beyondish. It's it very reminiscent of the beginning of the Beyond, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's confusing. Confusing, really weird, confusing history. I mean, why don't you just take it from the game? Yeah, it's you know, simple as that. Scientist, you get the same results. Yeah. Um, it's because these zombies. Throughout the film, uh, as well, they they use weapons. Mm-hmm. They run, um, so they kind of use um, stealth tactics yeah. as well. Um, so it's not your Lucio Fulci zombie, no. zombie flesh eaters, um, and it's not your Romero zombies. But the folklore is as if. They are. It's so confusing. Yeah. It's really... And just really... It comes across really shit. 
Um, because at the end of the day, what makes him so special to differentiate from the other zombies? Yeah. Because they always, they use their, you know, um, thinking. They, mm-hmm. They're still using their brains. They're not just out to eat people. You never actually, do we actually ever see a zombie eat someone? No, just biting. Just biting? Yeah. <sighs> Fuck's sake. Casper and... So bad. <laughs> I'm thinking way too... I'm, I'm getting all hot and sweaty now, headachey, because I'm thinking too much about this fucking film that cannot be explained. Casper and Greg leave the group to go find help, but Greg is killed in the forest after some terrible close-up shots of him and zombies, uh, their faces as they're running. Oh my god. The poor guy playing Greg. <laughs> so unflattering. Like, the camera's right in his face, and he's... Um, I'm sure they're going for a Blair Witch moment. But um, he just so unflattering. He looks awful. Bless him. We know Greg has died because we get a circling shot of him standing still before the screen turns red. This only happens to one of two characters. Yeah. So it, it, for some reason, because it didn't happen to Hugh. It didn't happen yeah. to Cynthia. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and it's, yeah, like a game over screen. Is yeah. that what it's like in the game? Where you have like no, a 360... I think so. Um, I mean... Is that like Resident Evil? It's like, it is like a game over screen and it, yeah, it looks so stupid. But also, it's just so inconsistent. You should do it for every, if you're going to do it, do it for every character that dies, not just exactly. two random characters. Yeah, and then the screen fades to red. So, yeah, it's fucking stupid. Um, it turns out that Kirk was smuggling Cuban cigars uh, in the boat. So Casper was right to chase him. Um, he's also seemingly smuggling a fuckload of weapons as well. A, a never-ending box of weapons. It's quite a small box, box of, but yeah. there are so many weapons in there. Um, Casper returns. Now, I'm a bit confused. Why did Casper and Greg even leave them in the first place? <laughs> what did they go to do? <laughs> they left the group to go find help, apparently. Oh, so... Well, what, did Casper find help? Seemingly no, not. clearly not. So they, she... they literally left just so Greg can be killed off. Yeah. And when she comes back without him, no one even questions it for a while. They, About yeah, a few minutes, and then while. they're like, oh, wait, hang on, where's Greg? Wait, wasn't Greg with you? Um, they, they get all the weapons out, and... Oh, they uh, get a really cool montage of everyone um, preparing slow their mo, weapons. A slow-mo montage slow-mo. of everyone, like, gearing up. And uh, Kirk says... Who said size doesn't matter whilst holding a gun? And Casper says, nice, but mine's bigger. This is literally like if Donald Trump made a horror film. Oh, it is. This is very, exactly what it would uh, look the like. The more you look into it, like, yeah. And um, whilst we get the slow-mo montage, we get more video game flashes. And they decide to head back to the house only to find a courtyard filled with zombies. In a bizarre series of events... <laughs> They have a zombie shooting session, complete with a metal song featuring the lyrics, I am Fury living in the house of the dead. The yeah. whole song. Yeah. Matrix-esque slow-mo 360 shots. Yeah. Video, lots of video game flashes uh-huh. uh, and an explosion. In between this, a zombie does a front flip and throws an axe when Alicia jumps, pauses in midair and shoots him. Yeah. 
With a bullet that transforms into loads of little bullets. I Well, it's a shotgun, isn't it? I yeah. shit you not, this actually happens. Yeah. Um, we also get, like... It's like the game over thing, but not. So it's like... <laughs> introduce... It's weird. How would you describe it? Like, the 360 shot, and mm. then they do some sort of pose, don't they? Yeah. Um, like... They're getting ready. A loading screen. Yeah, like um, like Tekken. Yeah. Like they're introduced as like Tekken uh-huh. characters. Like when you're choosing your characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that. So you get that for everyone, don't you? Yeah. Even like randomly the older characters, which just looks really weird. Yeah. Um, Liberty, <laughs> in her one, she does a Matrix um, sort of backbend yeah <laughs> whilst the zombie's trying to swing an axe at her um the song plays in its entirety <laughs> and i've never known a film to do this never the song plays in its entirety as the action is taking place the song ends and a new one begins um, like like you've got a CD, like it's a CD. <laughs> the song ends, the new one begins, whilst the action is still taking yeah. place. So the visuals don't really change. No. But a generic like dance rave song starts playing, <laughs> and then it continues. But it doesn't continue for the whole of that song. The song ends at some point as the yeah. action ends. I have never. <laughs> Never known a film to do that. Like, why can't you condense? Because it's the same old shit going on and on and on. Um, why could you not condense this scene down to fit the length of the song? Or just edit the fucking song. Or edit, edit the, the song. song. Make the song go yeah. longer. <laughs> Don't act like you've accidentally left the CD on. <laughs> it really is. It's so weird. Um... Karma takes out three zombies with one bullet and becomes an expert axe-throwing champion. Oh, yeah. Uh, Liberty does a big round kick and kills some zombies with her heels. She does. Um, she then dies and techno music starts... Well, that's when the... Te- yeah. yeah. So there's techno music playing. And Rudy, for some reason, watches her die and has a flashback to everything that's happened so far in the film. Oh, my God. It was not everything in the film, was it? Yeah, it is. I it's everything, it everything up until that in point. This scene. No, everything up until that point in the film. Well, it's a really fastly edited, headache-inducing flashback, isn't it? Yeah, but why? Why? Yeah. Um, Liberty gets her own 360 shot and a red screen, but she needs the only other character to get it. Yeah. Casper she is... She deserved it. She worked hard. Oh, yeah. She did. Casper is axed up by a bunch of zombies as she's trying to get into the house. Uh, she makes an asylum oh, and dies. So this big thing, and this is what I don't understand... They, the door is locked. Yeah. They cannot get into this house. Yeah? So you have... And this is quite reminiscent of Zombie 4. Mm-hmm. Where they're all at the front of the house shooting away at these zombies. They're like, we need to get in. We need to get in. Ah. Yeah. You know, we can't get in. So um, I was going to say Jasper then because it was Casper. Oh, wait. You say Zombie and... 4. Do you mean Zombie Flesh Eaters 3? Zombie Flesh Eaters... Four, three. After death. Yeah. The one on the island. The uh-huh. one that this film is absolutely trying to be. Yes. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, the one before the birds. Yeah. Yeah. So they're there and they, they can't get in. Oh my God, this is such a rip-off of that It film. really is. Oh, wow. Out of every film you could have ripped off, what a fuck would you want to be that? Like, oh. even the priest and the whole... Oh like, my ev- God, Literally, this is that film. Yeah. Well, this scene in particular is reminiscent of that. They're trying to get into this house. Um, Rudy and Casper go around the side. They're like, oh, we'll go through the window. So they climb through the window. Rudy goes first. Casper gets um, split in half, essentially, isn't she? Yeah. And um, Rudy has a moment inside, like, oh, I can't believe it's that old Casper. <laughs> oh. And then grabs it like a, um, a sheet and puts it over Casper's body. Mm-hmm. And then is like, oh, wait, I should probably open the door now. <laughs> Why did he have a moment with her? He didn't even know her. He didn't even like, know her. Like, Liberty, who he was on some sort of date with, like... Seemingly. Yeah. She died, he had a big flashback. Casper dies, he has this big moment. Yeah, this big moment. He finally lets them in, but Kirk is bitten again. Yeah, again. He's bitten again on the way He's in. still fine. So, my confusion is, who the fuck locked this door? Yeah. Who locked this door? <laughs> who? Why was, why was old Matt's girlfriend, mm-hmm. how could she get into the house perfectly fine? Yeah. Earlier, when Liberty, um, Hugh and Rudy are in the house, mm-hmm. hiding, no one else was there. No. They got in fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The others got in fine. Yeah. They just went in, you know. Um, which is confusing because why didn't Rudy, Liberty and Hugh lock the door mm-hmm. if this is a lockable door? Anyway, so they got in fine. So whoever locked this door, I hear the fuck knows. <laughs> because, spoiler alert, they don't fucking appear. No. So why is this door fucking locked? Was someone out of the shops earlier? <laughs> uh, are they having a big shit upstairs in the toilet? I don't understand. Yeah, and they left all the candles on for left them as all well. the can- Left all the candles oh, unattended. unattended candles in an abandoned house. In a zombie oh film. Oh my god, don't. Wow. Why would they, why would they copy zombie... Whatever, Flesh Eaters 3? That is so weird. Like, have every film... Copy the first zombie Flesh Eater film, you know? Yeah. They're classic. Which I do think they do a little bit. Which is With why... Swimming zombies, yeah. Yeah, which is why I initially thought that the house... Because this is the house of the dead. Even though there ain't a dead bitch in there. From the whole film. <laughs> like, this, this is... is where they go to hide from yeah. the dead. How is this house of the dead when this is where they go to hide from the living yeah. dead? Um... It was literally zombie fleshy as free with the editing of the Matrix. Yeah, because I, I assume this would have been a church, because there's a graveyard outside, yeah. and there's a church in Lucio Fulci's zombie fleshy years. I mean, if you're going to fucking steal, steal from the right fucking films. <laughs> zombie t- Tarantino's made of the living out of it, you know? <laughs> Simon talks about how no one will ever fancy him ever again. I mean, it didn't in the first place. Oh, right? my God. Um, I am getting... And I'm glad it's a man doing this, but I'm getting hostile. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too ugly to live. A Sharon Stone in oh. Catwoman. A Sharon Stone in Catwoman. Yeah, usually this only happens to women. Yeah. So it's nice to see it from a man's perspective. Oh. You'll, no one will ever fancy him ever again with his acid damaged face. So Karma's like, 
uh, actually, you're a really brave boy. I'm not shitting you. Yeah. She tells me he's a brave boy, and you're really sexy, and then they have a snort. Well, I still think you're sexy. Now, the difference between when a man has this moment, and a woman has this moment, <laughs> is that when Sharon Stone had an issue, when the woman from Hostel had an issue, <laughs> no one disagreed with them. No. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right, actually, you minga. <laughs> you might as well kill yourself. Whereas in this one, Karma's saying, oh no, I think you're beautiful no matter yeah. what. And he wouldn't have looked twice at her, and he didn't look twice at her until that moment. Well, until was, she was the yeah. only woman willing to accept him. But he asked her to be partaking a threesome earlier, though. Yeah. But yeah, that's only because he wanted Alicia. That's called shit writing. Rudy has a moan about how it's all his fault and Alicia kisses him. Kirk. Yeah. Why have we had these kissy moments yeah. at the same time? Like, okay, film? quickly, throw these in. Like, we why did we... Did he think, oh my God, this film has been so intense up to this <laughs> point. I think the audience need a breather. Why don't we just have two heart-to-hearts going on at the same time and a little bit of snogging? <laughs> yeah, great. Kirk, uh, you know, he's been bitten twice and still kept around for some reason. Didn't yeah, he didn't, him. you know, um, he's not snogging Clint Howard. No, but he hears yeah. Clint whistling outside. He so he goes outside, sees him as a zombie, um, shoots him straight away before Clint Howard gets a chance to ham it up even more. And then sacrifices himself uh, and a bunch of zombies by uh, blowing himself up with a stick of dynamite. Yeah. Which then blows up the entrance to the house. Which blows up the entrance. So he actually fucks everyone over. Yeah. Because he blows up the entrance to the house. So all the zombies are now getting into the house. Um, That's yeah. when they find their way into a lab inside the house. This massive house, you know, goes on for days. Um, oh, God, yeah. So Rudy breaks through a locked door. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where was this strength outside? <laughs> Where was this energy when people were dying because <laughs> of a locked door at the front? Um, they find a laboratory filled with body parts and a couple of corpses. So this is in keeping with the game. Yeah. This is the mad scientist narrative from the game. Mad scientist narrative from similar zombie movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Rudy being a doctor, which was... Wasn't it just, like, a throwaway comment? Like, oh, well, I'm studying yeah. medicine at college. I, I didn't even know that line was in there. No. It's throwaway earlier that it's established that he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, being a doctor, he identifies a mutated blood under a microscope. So, this blood just happens to be under a microscope. <laughs> he looks in it as, like, it's blood. But it's mutated blood. <laughs> um... Which I'm confused by. Why? Like, who is the scientist? So it's, no, it's, it's a stand- So it's, it's going to be that Spanish guy, isn't it? But the Spanish guy, was he a scientist? Was he... I don't think so. Oh, it's so he was a priest. He was a priest. He was a priest. So and being a priest means you're a scientist, apparently. So, and he must have been the one that locked the door. Yeah. Apparently. Apparently. Um, Karma finds a hatch in the floor... Yeah, so they find they find some gun a load of gunpowder mm-hmm. for, again for some reason for I don't know why this dude has so much gunpowder in this house. <laughs> um, 
Um, Karma says that might come in handy. <laughs> Randy says, no, someone would have to stay here to light it. Um, it's when a shame. That's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, it's a shame that Kirk had to go outside to blow himself up. He could have just blew himself up with this gunpowder, <laughs> um, and that would have saved them the effort. So they find this trapdoor. Yeah. And for some reason, Simon dawdles, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like clearly he's on purpose. Standing there on purpose. Um, he gets grabbed by some zombies. And then decides that he's going to blow up the gunpowder and himself by shooting it. In slow motion, of course. Now, I don't know if he kills himself because he's hideous. <laughs> because he happens to have no, a No, he does it face. because he's doing what everyone does in this film. He's sacrificing himself Sacrificing for absolutely for no, no reason. reason. He did not need to do that. He didn't. He really didn't, actually. He could have... Randy could have helped him and he could have gone... Oh, Randy. Who the fuck was Randy? Rudy. Rudy. Could have helped him get away, but no. He decides to blow himself up and the zombies and the house. Yeah. So, um... Where... What... Part is Alicia scared by a zombie fish. Oh, that's when they were in the lab before that point. The the fish that breaks the glass and then somehow an actual zombie charges out of nowhere. Oh, I got a little mixed up then. Um, yeah. So they go down this ridiculous really trap tour and they end up in some catacombs. And um, they're going through them. They're not the, you know, longest catacombs in the world, are they? It no. It doesn't take long. Uh, these zombies come out of nowhere. They're shooting them. And this is the part where it's intercut with the video the game, game flashes. Yeah. And it looks shit. It really looks fucking awful. Um, Karma's doing a pretty good job. Uh, but, you know, she has to sacrifice herself. Obviously. She says, I got this, guys. And, yeah, the zombies kill her. Um, off screen again. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much straight away after Karma sacrificed <laughs> herself, a cloaked figure comes out of nowhere, kills a zombie with a sword, and helps uh, Rudy and Alicia into uh, past a gate. Yeah. Into some sort of room of some. I don't know where all of this shit something. is. No idea. Absolutely no idea. But it's completely pointless that Karma had to sacrifice. They're like... The screamer, I must have been, Oh, shit, who's left? Um, <laughs> oh, okay, so we'll have to kill off Karma. Just, just get rid of her. Um, yeah, just have her sacrifice herself. Two metres away from safety. <laughs> um, for absolutely no reason. Um, turns out the cloaked figure is Greg. Um, you yeah. think it's Greg. You think it's Greg. They think it's Greg, but he pulls off some skin mask and it's evil Spanish priest. Yeah, it's Castillo Samano, who then orders a horde of zombies to restrain Alicia and Rudy in an attempt to kill them and use their flesh for his own purposes. To which you'll get this exact dialogue exchange. Again, I am giving you this word for word. This is not made up. I know I exaggerate a lot on this podcast, but this is exactly what it said. Rudy says, you want to be immortal. Why? To which Castillo replies, to live forever. <laughs> really? You want to be immortal, to live forever. That's how it works. Why did we need that? The real confusing part, that's fucking confusing, but that's, you know, 
shit dialogue, of course. But the confusing part is why is it Rudy and Alicia that are chosen to have their flesh taken off them? Where lots of people have been grabbed by the zombies yeah. earlier in the film. Like, why is it them? So why is Rudy the one that's tied to a table? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, because it's a film and they have to have someone survive. Um, but it doesn't make any sense to me. You but get two people. They needed two people. Two people. The amount of people at that rave. Like, yeah. this could have been all over and done by the time they got there. Yeah, like, what? Yeah. Why have they waited for the only two people still alive? Yeah. Um, a very mild distraction and Alicia manages to grab a sword. Uh, she frees Rudy and they escape. I don't know where... Blowing they... up the tunnels in the process. But where... So where do they get this grenade from? It Just nowhere. It just appears. It, it, so they leave... Yeah, so they run up these steps which happen to lead out... Um, through some random door that looks like um, a very old toilet. Mm-hmm. You know in um, Friday the 13th Part yeah. 5, um, <laughs> they say damn enchiladas if they leave <laughs> and it blows up with this grenade. So where the fuck are they... They've just had this grenade on them this whole yeah. time. So Simon had to sacrifice himself with the gunpowder when they could have used a grenade. Mm-hmm. Karma had to sacrifice herself when they could have just used a grenade and then they finally use it to save themselves yeah Mm, bullshit once they get outside alicia says isn't it nice to know someone wants you for your body and rudy says yeah depending what it's for (laughs) well as the explosion happens and they're outside we have a slow-mo run and jump don't we yeah uh action sequence now unfortunately uh, uh, i'm no expert but because no woman in this film is allowed to wear a bra the actress playing alicia it looks painful because it it her obviously her breasts are moving in this slow motion Mm -hmm. as she's running and it looks really painful (laughs) like um yeah. I don't mean this outfit was any accident. I mean, this is definitely sexualized. It's obviously sexualized, but I, I, again, only from what I've heard from friends and such that, you know, if you're running without like a, a proper, you know, supportive mm-hmm. sports bra, it's painful. So I don't know how many takes this poor actress had to do, but bloody hell. Yeah. Um,. Castillo... Sorry, if I lowered the tone. <laughs> Castillo manages to survive the blast uh, without a spot on him, still. Because he's immortal. Yeah, but I mean, without a single mark on him whatsoever. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, even his clothes. Because of budget. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in a bizarre series of events, he charges out of the house and he and Alicia get into a sword fight. They do. That good old fencing. That fencing that she does. was useful. Um, yeah, after this extensive sword fight, uh, he stabs her in the heart and obviously cuts her top open. Yeah, so we kind of, it's not really the heart, is it? Because the heart's more to the left. So it's right between the breasts, which cuts her top down. Mm -hmm. 
and um, there's like blood there, but it's hard to distinguish how deep the sword went in. Yeah. Which makes everything that happens after really confusing. Yeah, Rudy manages to decapitate him soon after. Yeah, so poor um, Alicia gets stabbed. Um, Rudy's knocked out during this, and then he wakes up just in time to sort of save himself. Yeah. And decapitate um, the Spanish priest. I don't know his name. I didn't write it down. Um, Well, poor Castilio, after he's decapitated, his whole life flashes before his eyes. In Sapia. Yes. However, the still alive headless body of Castillo begins to strangle Rudy. Alicia, who's barely alive, gets up and crushes the head under her foot, which finally kills him and says, Game over, fucker. Uh, which you can hardly hear because the music is edited so loud over the top, you can barely hear any dialogue. I didn't get game over, fucker, at the end. I didn't hear it. Um, yeah, so she's been stabbed, but apparently she has enough strength to squish her head. Yeah. Um, that kills him off, so he wasn't really immortal after all. Yeah, she seemingly dies, uh, but then she and Rudy are rescued by a team of agents, and the agents ask for Rudy's name, to which he responds with, Rudolf Kurian. And now, if anyone's played the games, like, oh my god, really? That's what they try to do? Anyone who hasn't played the games, you're like, who the fuck? Yeah. And, but that was it. That was the big twist. That's what he was going for, which implies that this is a prequel to the House of the Dead arcade games. Yeah. So, you've got to be pretty dedicated in the arcade to finish the whole game and know your characters' names yeah. and everything and to get this big twist. And he's relying on people to get that. Yeah. It, it didn't... It fell flat for me. I was like, okay, why are you making such a big deal of this moment? Yeah. And, and you know? Um, I was confused as to why the FBI agents looked so bored. I was confused why they even turned up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, who called them? The whole point was that they couldn't get any signal yeah. or anything like that. They turn up in a helicopter. There's only four of them. Two of them are, like, in suits, like men in bloody black. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, we're here to save you. Uh, but they, they genuinely look so bored. Yeah. Like, they don't want to be there. I thought it was going to be a big twist or something and they were all part of it and it was some FBI thing and, mm-hmm. and such, but no, apparently not. Um, Alicia is still alive. Yeah. Um, he Rudy helps carry her to the helicopter and yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then you get some weird inane voiceover at the end. Well, it's his narration continuing, I, isn't I it? Have no, I have it's back. no back, idea after, what he's talking about. We haven't had it since the beginning, but his narration's back. Uh, he implies that he gave Alicia the immortality serum to make her survive. Uh, they return home and he says, God, ain't love a bitch. Is this the end or only the beginning? And then we get the Fury House of the Dead song playing over the end credits. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's how she survived. He gave her the serum. I was... I didn't get that at the end. I'm sorry. I didn't... I, maybe I just want... I just had enough, I think. It's so weird how they... He, you would both really wanted people to make a lot of this shit up for themselves, like, and imply it all. Yeah. Yeah, it was... To make even a smidge of sense, you have to fucking work hard. You have to really think about it. And... You shouldn't have to do that with a throwaway zombie film. No. This should have been fun. It should have been 
a film full of badly danced rave sequences mm-hmm. and uh, silly over the top kills and zombies and it was none of that no. it, it couldn't figure out if it was a horror film couldn't figure out if it wanted to be a matrix rip-off action film um it struggled to establish any real identity to its characters it, it, it had to force it at the beginning with a narration and that's a bad sign for any film and it's it, genuinely really just not enjoyable i uh, the don't camp value is there but not nah, i don't I, I don't know i wouldn't say it's not enjoyable because i mean especially when you know what kind of person Yui Bowl is, to watch this film that he thinks is some sort of masterpiece, you know, his life's work, he thinks is a great piece of art, to watch it be such a disaster, it's fucking entertaining. Yeah. I'd, I'd definitely say it's so bad it's good. Um, moments. There are moments. Now you compare this to something like um, The Beast of Video, where we had a miserable time analysing it. At least we were laughing all the way through this. Yeah, d- yeah. Um, there was a, just, there were a lot of moments in the film where I was like, oh, really? Oh, really? They've decided to, they're doing that? Like, oh. And, um, I would suggest maybe a compilation best of yeah um shorten it down <laughs> it's on youtube in full if you don't want to give you bowl any money yeah um, if, if you do want to watch it um yeah the sequel's just as bad uh so it won't be coming have you watched the sequel yeah i have yeah. really sid haig's in it bloody hell uh, alicia's back as well same actress yeah blimmin hell but yeah so that's house of the ten um yeah just a a film that should have been so easy, just gone horribly wrong. It should, yeah. I mean, you're, you're basing it on an established premise. Just yeah. Stick, just stick to that. But that's House of the Dead. If you'd like to discuss it with us, uh, I know some of you have already discussed it with us, um, on our social media, Horror Cool Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Cool Trash on Twitter. I'm Dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram, Twitter and Letterboxd. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and like and follow on everything else. Uh, tickets for our Hellraiser screening are now on sale at the Chapeltown Pit House in Manchester on the 30th of September. Uh, £7.50 a ticket, a bit extra for a booking fee. Come join us. Come uh, come hang out at the Chapeltown Picture House. Yes, watch a classic horror film on the big screen. Yes. With uh, a few bevies. Should be fun. And an introduction by us. What more could you ask for? What more could you ask for? Next week, oh, well, we're back before next week. We're back on Friday with our bonus Friday the 13th episode where we're discussing the best one in the franchise. We're discussing the final chapter. Yes. Very excited for that one. It's the best film in the franchise. And, um, yeah, we're not going to be mean about it. So. No. no. <laughs> you might be a except, bit bored. We're except not... uh, Crispin Glover. We're not going to be cunty about the film. So. Well, we do have Crispin Glover and Corey Feldman to discuss. So let's, let's not make any promises. And next week we'll be back with Cruel Jaws. Yes, a Italian rip-off. 
Oh, I love an Italian ripoff. I thought it was Jaws 5. It's Jaws 5, isn't it? Oh, shit, sorry. Is this Spielberg, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Shit, sorry. So, yes, we will see you on Friday. Bye.